Shalom. This is Rabbi Ben Newman. Today is day 325 of my daily Zohar reading. I'll be reading today part 1 of the Zohar, page 178a, in Aramaic and in English. I'm going to read a little bit of what I read yesterday, but only in English, just for context. Um, I'm going to read now from page 75 of the Pritzker edition Zohar, volume 3, translated by Professor Daniel Matt. I'm going to read right at the top of the page, page 75. And when I get to where I left off, I'll pick up with the Aramaic. Come and see. All nations of the world have been rendered to certain ruling archons, as has been said. And they all follow their false gods, as is written. For all the nations will walk in the name of its god, Micah 4.5. All shedding blood, waging war, stealing, robbing, fornicating, mingling with numerous evil doings. That's where I left off yesterday and pick up today where it says Ve'it takafu Ve'it takafu Bechel hon Le'avasha Ve'yisrael Le'tlon tukva Le'natzcha 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 Lon bal Be'fum hon Ke Ketolata da delate la tukva, vehela ela, ela, befume, ubefume, mit bal cola, ve alda ikrun Israel tolaat. They intensify their power to harass, while Israel has no power to overcome them except through its mouth, like a worm whose only power and strength lies in its mouth by its mouth penetrating all, so Israel is called worm. Footnote 505, through its mouth, through words of prayer and study. Sitan Huma Beshalach 9, do not fear, O worm, Jacob. Why is Israel compared to a worm? Just as a worm strikes the cedars only with its mouth, though soft, it strikes, hard, it strikes the hard, so Israel possesses only prayer, for the idolatrous nations are compared to cedars. Altil e tola at Yaakov, ma tolat late livria de alma, kehai tolata de meshi tistera dimine, nafke col lavushe yakal tistere de malchin, levatal zara zarin umit, ulevatal hahu mehahu zara. De ishtaal mine it kiyam ke mil kadmin veha ihu bekiyume kach Yisrael inun kehai tolaat da af algav de meitin yit hadrun ve yit kaimun be alma ke mil kadmin veha it mal dichtiv ki kachomer beyad hayotzer ken atem beyadi bet Yisrael my kachomer ela da chomer de hahul zechuchit de af algav de it de itaval it takan ve it le takana kemil kadmin 
Mete Yisrael da Ilana de Chaye, de Begin de Yisrael Inun mit Dabkan, be Ilana de Chaye, Begin Kach Yehelon Chayin, Vikumun me Afra, ve Yit Kaimun be Alma, Vihon la Amchad, le Miflach le Kuchabrihu, Kamada at Amel, Likro Kulam Beshemadonai, le of la Avdo. Further, do not fear, O worm of Jacob. We're looking, and this is again from the quote from Isaiah 41.14 that we read yesterday. <clears throat> Further, do not fear, O worm of Jacob. No creature in the world resembles a tusser silkworm from which all garments of glory exude royal tusser. Afterward, it sows seed and dies. Afterward, from that surviving seed, coming into being as before, existing enduringly. So Israel is like this worm. Though dying, it will re-exist in the world as before, as has been said. Since it is written, for as clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Jeremiah 18.6 What does kachomer as clay mean? The chomer, material of glass, which even if broken can be recast, mended as before. Mete Yisrael, O mortal men of Israel, tree of life. For since Israel cleave to the tree of life, they will possess life, rising from the dust, abiding in the world, becoming a single people to serve the Blessed Holy One, as is said, so they make all call upon the name of Yudevave and serve him shoulder to shoulder. Zephaniah 3.9 Put some footnotes now, turning back to page 75. Footnote 506, Tusser, Tistera, a Zoharic neologism apparently derived from the name of the wild silkworm of China, of India and China, known in Sanskrit as Tassara, shuttle, from the shape of the cocoon. Interesting, well, um, maybe this is evidence that there was some crossover between Eastern cultures and the authors of the Zohar. Interesting idea. So, uh, the silkworm of India and China, known in Sanskrit, Sanskrit as tasara, shuttle, from the shape of the cocoon, various English forms of the word include tusser, tasor, tussa. The breeding of silkworms originated in ancient China, which was known to the Greek as Ceres, land of silk. This precious craft was perhaps the most zealously guarded secret in history. The technique and process of sericulture were tightly controlled by Chinese authorities. Anyone caught revealing the secrets or smuggling silkworm eggs or cocoons outside the country was, ex was executed as a traitor. Along the silk route linking China and the Mediterranean, silk thread and fabric were prized commodities and silk became a currency of international trade. Seems like uh, Professor Matt's really interested in this in this idea. Uh, the footnote continues. Supposedly in the 6th century CE, two Nestorian monks risked their lives to smuggle silkworm eggs to the court of Emperor Justinian in Byzantium, appearing there with the eggs hidden in their bamboo walking staves. In the 8th century, the Moors carried the art across the northern coast of Africa and into Spain, where sericulture flourished, reaching its peak in the 13th century, the age of the Zohar. 
well, maybe they didn't have interaction with the, the Indians and the Chinese then. Um, generations of Muslim weavers supplied silk fabrics for wealthy and royal clients. Alfonso X El Sabio, 1252-84, made a silk sign of royalty, legislating that a monarch must dress in silk with gold, silver, and precious stones so that all who see him will recognize his real identity. And one of the miracle stories included in Alfonso's Cantigas de Santa Maria, Silkworms figure prominently. Actually, the widely cultivated silkworm was the mulberry silkworm, Bombyx mori, which feeds on mulberry leaves, whereas the wild tusser silkworm, Antheria melita, feeds on oak leaves and produces a coarser, stronger silk. Footnote 507. Afterward, it sows seed and dies. The metamorphosis proceeds as follows. A female moth mates with a male and lays some 500 eggs, referred to here as seed, in four to six days, dying soon after. From the eggs emerge larvae, yellowish-white caterpillars, each of whom feeds on leaves for several weeks and then begins to exude a fine fluid. On issuing into the air, this stream hardens into a continuous thread of silk fiber, fiber which the caterpillar spins into a mile-long cocoon. And wrapped in the cocoon, the caterpillar is transformed into a chrysalis, which several weeks later emerges as an adult moth, and the process continues. See Rumi, Mathnawi, 1-5. What god taught the silkworm of the cocoon? Does any elephant know such a device? The image of the silkworm wrapping itself within a cocoon appears in the Zohar's description of emanation. See part 1 of the Zohar, page 15a. Footnote 509, recast, mended as before, melted into liquid and then reblown or recast. Incidentally, the art of glassmaking passed along the silk route in the opposite direction from west to east. In rabbinic literature, as here, the melting and reblowing of broken glass symbolizes death and resurrection. Footnote 510, Mete Yisrael, immortal men of Israel, tree of life. Rabbi Yehuda seems to be playing with two near homophones, Mete, men of, the literal meaning in this verse, and Mete, dead ones of by studying Torah the people of Israel cleave to the tree of life which is Torah's symbol based on the description of wisdom in po Proverbs 3.18 she is a tree of life to those who grasp her in Kabbalah tree of life symbolizes Tiferet whose full name is Tiferet Yisrael beauty of Israel and who is also known as written Torah <clears throat> now we've got a little travel narrative which are my favorite Rabbi Elazar and Rabbi Yitzchak Haru Az Libarcha, Umata Zimna di Kriachma, Vekam Rabbi Elazar, Vekara Kriachma, Vetsale Tslote, Levata Ramale Rabbi Yitzchak, Veha Taninan, Dead La Yipuk Barnash La Orcha, Ibaile Lenatla Rashu Mimare, Ulitsale Tslote, Amare, Begin Dehad. Nafikna la hava zimna litzlota, vela mata zimna di kriachma, hashta de shimsha nahil tsalena, aval ad la nafakna le orha beena, beina, sorry, baina, 
באותי מיני ואימלכנה בי, אבל צלות דה לצלנה, דה אנה אשתדלנה באורייתא מפלגות לאליה, וחד עתה צפרה עד כאן, לה הווה עידנה לצלי צלותה. בגין דה היא שתה דה כדרותה דה צפרה אשתכח, איתתה משתי בבעלה, ואינון ברזה כחדה, דוויה איהי למהח למשכנה, באולם תהה דיתווה בהדה. ובגין כך לה בא אלה לברנש למפסק מלאיהו דמחברן. כחדה ולעלה מילה אחרא בעינייהו, והשתא דנהיר שמשה הוא עידן לצלעה כמדה וכמוה, דכתיב יראוך עם שמש, מהו עם שמש? לנטלה לנהורה דשמשה בהדן לאנהרלה, דהא יראה בהדי שמשה יצטריך ולה לאפרה שלון, וחד לה נהיר יממה, לאו הוא יראה בהדי שמשה, וצריכה לחברלון כחדה, ודהו עם שמש, אזלו עד מתו בחקל יתבו, זקפו עינייהו, וחמולי לטורה דהבו סלקין ברומי בריאן משניין. דחיל רבי יצחק, אמר לי רבי אלעזר, אמי דחיל, דחילת? אמר לי, חמינה דהי טורה איהו תקיף, וחמינה אילן בריאן דאינון משניין, ודחילנה דלא יקטרגו לאון. אמר לי, מאן דדחיל מחטאו דוידי איתלי למדחל. תאחז אליו אילן מאינון בריאן תקיפין דהבו משתכחין בטוריה. רבי אלעזר ורבי יצחק were walking on the way when the time arrived for reciting שמה. רבי אלעזר stood, recited שמה and prayed. Afterward, רבי יצחק said to him, but we have learned that before a person sets out, On the way, he should obtain permission from his Lord and pray his prayer. He replied, Because when I set out, it wasn't time for prayer, and the time for reciting Shema had not arrived. Now that the sun is shining, I've prayed. But before I set out on the way, I made my request from him and consulted him. But I didn't pray this prayer, because I was engaged in Torah from midnight. And from the time morning arrived up till now... It wasn't time to pray the prayer, because as darkness of dawn appears, a wife converses with her husband in mystery as one, since she has to retire to the dwelling along with her maidens who sit with her. So one should not interrupt their words, uniting as one, and interpose another word between. Now that the sun is shining, it's time to pray, as they have established, for it is written, Yira'ucha, may they revere you with the sun, Psalms 72.5. What does with the sun mean? Carrying the light of the sun with us to illumine her. For Yira, reverence, must accompany sun, not dividing them. As long as day doesn't shine, reverence is not with sun, and they must be joined as one. This is with the sun. They walked on. 
When they reached a field, they sat down. Raising their eyes, they saw a mountain whose peak was being scaled by strange creatures. Rabbi Yitzchak became frightened. Rabbi Elazar asked him, Why are you afraid? He replied, I see that this mountain is fierce, and I see these creatures who are strange, and I'm scared they'll attack us. He said, If someone is frightened, it is the sins he possesses of which he should be frightened. Come and see. These aren't those fierce creatures who used to haunt the mountains. Footnote 511. Time arrived for reciting Shema early in the morning, as clarified below. The Shema is reciting morning and evening. Footnote 512. Prayed. He prayed the Amidah, standing, the standing prayer, the central prayer that is recited three times daily in the morning and evening liturgy, the Amidah. In the liturgy, the Amidah follows the recitation of the Shema. Footnote 513. Before a person sits out on the way, before setting out on a journey, one should pray, including or specifically. Uh, including or specifically Tefilat HaDerech, the prayer of the way. See Brachot 29b. Elijah said to Rav Yehuda, the brother of Rabbi Salah the Hasid, Do not let your anger boil and you will not sin. Do not get drunk and you will not sin. And when you set out on the way, consult your Creator and then set out. What is meant by consult your Creator and then set out? Rabbi Yaakov said in the name of Rabbi Chista, This is Tefilat HaDerech. Footnote 514, it wasn't time for prayer for the Amidah. See above note 512, the morning Amidah is ideally recited as soon as the first ray of sunlight appears, although the Shema may be recited earlier at dawn. Devotees sought to complete the Shema together with its blessings immediately before the sun actually appeared so that they could join it to the Amidah at precisely the first ray. One who rises early to sit out on a journey is permitted to pray both Shema and Amidah at dawn, but Rabbi Elazar chose to wait for sunrise. See Brachot 9b, devotees used to complete it, the recitation of the Shema, with the first ray of the sun in order to join Geulah, redemption, the name of the blessing following the Shema, to Tefillah, prayer, the Amidah, and consequently pray the Amidah in the daytime. Rabbi Zaira said, what is, it, what is its verse, its scriptural support? May they revere you with the sun, Psalm 72.5. In Kabbalah, the union of these two prayers symbolizes the union of the divine couple, Tiferet and Shekhinah. Footnote 515, I've prayed the morning prayer, including both the Shema and the Amidah. Footnote 516, he made my request from him and consulted him. Sorry, I made my request from him and consulted him, praying the prayer of the way. Footnote 518, engaged in Torah from midnight, see Psalms 119.62 and Brachot 3b in the name of Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Shimon the Chassid said, There was a harp suspended above King David's bed. As soon as midnight arrived, a north wind came and blew upon it, and it played itself. He immediately arose and engaged in Torah until the break of dawn. In the Zohar, this legendary custom is expanded into a ritual at midnight. God delights in the souls of the righteous in the Garden of Eden, and those who study Torah here below take partake of the celestial joy. Kabbalists are expected to rise at midnight. And adorn Shekhinah with words of Torah in preparation for her union with Tiferet. See Sholem on the Kabbalah 146-50. This parallels the midnight vigil common among Christian monks from early medieval times. In Zohar Part 3, 119a, Rabbi Yehuda alludes to the Christian practice. I have seen something similar among the nations of the world. Footnote 519, wife converses with her husband, see Brachot 3a, in the first watch of the night a donkey brays, in the second dogs bark, in the third a child sucks from its mother's breast, and a woman converses with her husband. 
On the erotic connotation of converses, see Nadarium 20b and Sudorashi in that same location. Here, the phrase hints at the intimacy between a divine couple, Shachina and Tiferet. Footnote 520, she has to retire to the dwelling. Shekhinah is about to retire to her dwelling beneath the spherotic realm where she is accompanied by angels. Footnote 521, interpose another word between any word, even a word of prayer, disturbs the union of the divine couple. Therefore, Rabbi Eliezer had not prayed earlier. Footnote 523, carrying the light of the sun with us to illumine her, conveying through our prayers the flow of emanation from Tiferet, symbolized by the sun, to Shekhinah. Footnote 524, Yir'ah, reverence, must accompany son. Shekhinah, known as reverence, must accompany her partner, Tiferet. Their union is consummated only at sunrise. Footnote 525, if someone is frightened, on the link between fear and sin, see Brachot 60b, Sota 43a to 44a, Zohar Part 1, 198a and b, 202a and b, 230b. Patach ve'amal, ve'ele b'nei tzivon, ve'aya va'ana, hu ana asher matza et ha-yamin, yamim, b'midbar v'gomel. Ha'ikra u'kmuha, aval ta'chaze, lav ilein dikhtiv behu, ha'emim lefanim yashvu v'gomel. Aval ilein dikamar kra, אשר מצא את הימים במדבר, ימים כתיב. אילן הבו בריאן משניין דחד הבה את תרח קין מעל אפי ארה כמדעת המר, הן גירשת אותי היום מעל פני האדמה, וכתיב, וישב בארץ נוד ואוקמוה. מבני בנוי בסיטרא דרוכין ואילאולין ומזעיקין ואילאין קיימו, דהא כד באה להתקדשה יומה, התעברון מהאו סיטרא רוכין קיימין. תסירין בלה גופה, ואילן לאו אינון מיומא דשבתא, ולה מיומא דשתיתאה, ואישתארו אילן טרין יומין בהו בסוויקה, ובגין כך לה יתקיימו לה מהי ולה מהי. These are the sons of Zbion, Aya and Anna, that is, the Anna who in the wilderness discovered the Yamim. Genesis 36.24, this verse has been established, but come and see, not those of whom is written, the Emim formerly dwelt there, Deuteronomy 2.10, but rather those of whom scripture states, who, who in the wilderness discovered the Yamim, spelled uh, Yud Mem Mem Yemim. These were strange creatures, for when Cain was banished from the face of the earth, as is said, here you have driven me today from the face of the earth, Genesis 4, 14, and similarly he dwelled in the land of Nod, Genesis 4.16, as they have established, among his descendants were those inhabiting the side of spirits, whirlwinds, and demons. These existed because as the day was about to be sanctified, enduring spirits were created from that side, bodiless specters. 
These derive neither from the Sabbath day nor the sixth day, both of whom remain uncertain about them, so they are sustained by neither one. Footnote 526, Anna, who in the wilderness discovered the Yamim, the verse concludes, while tending the donkeys of his father Zibion, the word Yamim is unique and its meaning uncertain. It has been rendered variously as mules and hot springs. It's interesting. Um, footnote 528, the Yamim formerly dwelt there. This verse, describing the earlier inhabitants of Moab, reads, the Yamim formerly dwelt there, a, great, a people great and numerous and as tall as the Anakim. The name Amim may be related to the root I. Aleph Yud Mem, Terror Dread, as suggested by Rashid Rabbah 26.7, Targum Onkelos, Targum Yushami, and Rashi on Deuteronomy 2.10. Footnote 529, Yamim, spelled Yud Mem Mem, the defective spelling without the second Yud, which uh, the second would, Yud would make it Yud Mem, Yud Mem, alludes to their incomplete origin, as Rabbi Elazar goes on to explain, which we'll probably have to wait uh, maybe till tomorrow to hear some more about it. Um, footnote 530, Land of Nod, those inhabiting the side of spirits, the name Nod derives from a root meaning to wander. According to the Zohar, Cain wandered to a subterranean realm where he copulated with female demons and engendered bizarre creatures. Footnote 531, as the day was about to be sanctified body, the specters as the primordial week of creation was drawing to a close and Sabbath was about to be sanctified at sunset, bodiless spirits were created. See Tanhuma Bereshit 17. Here it is not written, he ceased from all his work that God created and made, but rather that God created to make. Genesis 2 3. For Sabbath arrived first, and their work was not completed. Rabbi Benaiah said, This refers to the demons, for he created their souls, and as he was creating their bodies, the Sabbath day was hallowed. He left them, and they remained soul without body. See Avot 5 6. Ten things were created on Friday Eve at twilight. Some say also the demons. Spectre renders Tesirin, a neologism appearing several times in the Zohar, perhaps derived playfully from the root Tet Vav Samech, Tus, to fly. Footnote 532, uncertain about them, uncertain about their precise origin. So uh, tomorrow we'll hear a little bit more about their origin. Uh, catch you then. Take care.